Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. For decades, milk has been fueling women marathon runners as the OG performance drink. And in the new docu-series, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers takes us on a journey of self-discovery as she meets several groups of empowered women runners to find out what drives them, what fuels them, and what pushes them to go the distance. And in the process, she learns that she too can be a distance runner. You can watch the series at runningsuckstheseries.com and register for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. You're listening to Intuit from Vulture and New York Magazine. I'm your host, Sam Sanders, and we've got a great show for you today. We're going to play a game in just a bit with one of my favorite TikTok stars. You know her. You know her voice, I promise you. And then we're going to have a debate between two Vulture writers over whether The Last of Us, that video game show on HBO, on whether it's actually any good. I have thoughts. Uh, but let's begin. I'm joined now by someone I'm sure you've seen and heard before, Elsa Majimbo. Hello. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. I'm doing phenomenal. Good, good. I feel like I already know you because I've been watching your TikToks now <laughs> for a while. You're not spending money. You're making memories. <laughs> Don't spend your money at restaurants. Then who will? <laughs> If you don't buy clothes, then who will? <laughs> but usually in these TikToks, you are laughing hysterically, making us crack up in skinny sunglasses and eating potato chips. The potato chips always do it for me. What's the origin story of the potato chips in your TikToks? Um, I really loved potato chips. And <laughs> when <laughs> the thing is, I snack so much. And while I was making my videos one day, I was making a video and I was eating like, oh, after a video, one scene is done. I eat, I snack. And then I ate one by mistake while recording because I was hungry while recording. And my videos are like mm -hmm. 10 seconds long, each video I take. And it looked really good. And I was like, oh, this is a vibe. I was like, I don't know how this is possible, but I just became funnier with potato chips. I'm not going to apply for a job. I don't want... A job? You're doing labor on purpose. <laughs> uh, we're going to play a game soon about some pop culture of the week. But I have to ask first before we do that, you were, from what I've seen, at the Rihanna concert mm -hmm. at that football game a few I was, days ago. I was. And how was that? Oh, my God. Worth the wait. I was yeah. screaming at the top of my lungs and I <laughs> right after the because I was literally I was there for Rihanna and everyone thought I was joking so after Rihanna stopped performing um I stood up and my friend was like oh like what are you doing I was like I'm leaving and he was like what <laughs> I was like yeah I, I 
came for what I came for. It happened. Now I'm going. Even the security guard was like, you're leaving? I was like, yeah. I was like, I, I don't want to watch football. I was like, the past first half, I was, in, I was just waiting for Rihanna. She's done. I'm going to go home. There you go. But she, mwah. I love that show. 10 out of 10. I, I love how like Rihanna's whole vibe is like, Rihanna knows how to do exactly just enough to make it work. She does. She, I think it's just... And she's not going to go overboard. She's like, oh, here you go. You <laughs> like these hits? Bam, there you go. I think the fact that she's Rihanna already covers 99% of what she needs to do. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I, I love how she was like, I'm not going to give you any new music. <laughs> I'm not going to dance too hard. Uh, but you're going to love it. And you're going to love I it. Did. And I, you're going to take it. And yeah. we did. We loved it and we, and we took I it. I love the simplicity of it. Mm. I love the little white Teletubby dancers. I love the little <laughs> iPad platforms taking her up and down on the sky. It Ooh, worked for me. She did it. It worked for me. Me too. I'm in the Navy, the Rihanna Navy. All right, let's pivot. We're going to play a game. Okay. This is going to be your first time playing it. I'm going to explain the game to you really quickly. I promise you it's quite simple. Mm-hmm. And win or lose, it doesn't matter. We're just going to have fun. Okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> This game is called Into It, mm-hmm. Not Into It. And the way it works is I share a story from the week of news, from pop culture, from the zeitgeist. And you just tell me if you're into this story or not into this story. Okay. And why. Okay. Okay? Okay. And at the end, I will tell you whether you want or not based on what I think of your opinions. Okay. Okay. I'll try as hard as I can. To be you. Okay, let's start. (laughs) First question. Elsa, are you into or not into one of the more ridiculous pieces to come out of the recent New York Fashion Week? Those big red boots. Have you seen them? I knew this was coming. Those ugly (laughs) boots need to be put back on the rack. I can see them... As a runway they can't piece? fit on the rack. They're too big for the rack. <laughs> they can't fit on the rack. Oh my goodness. It is, I think that is one of the ugliest pieces I've ever seen. And I was like, if we make this a trend, I will know that genuinely there's a problem with all of us, with the world in general. Because if it becomes a trend, even I'll start liking it. And those shoes are genuinely ugly. Not I into won't. it. Let me tell you. No one should be. Okay, same. Not into it. I also hate this thing that happens where an ugly shoe will hit the scene mm-hmm. and everyone's like, oh, that's ugly. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, that's stupid. And then six months later, everyone's, everyone's wearing, wearing it. Everyone's wearing I it. I refuse to do it with these red boots. <gasps> I refuse. No, 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 no. Even me, I am so scared because I know once it becomes a trend and people wear it more and more, I'll be like, hmm, maybe it's not that ugly after all. But they aren't that ugly. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so how do we describe these for people who haven't seen them yet? Also, if you're listening right now, just Google Big red boots. They'll show up. They look like cartoon boots mm-hmm. for boots. a cartoon hero or villain. They're like oversized jumbo rain boots. Like they're they're so they're like clown shoes, but red and, and donuts on top. And, and, it's like it has a donut at the top. Yeah. 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 Someone said they're Astro Boy boots. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. And the bottom looks like the yeah. Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse, what's that? I haven't seen the yeah. bottom yet. The Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah the, the, oh, the Mickey bump. Mouse shoe. Yes, the yes, yes. Bump. Yes. It, so we should wow. tell folks where these boots, the big red boots actually come from. They're from a brand called Mischief, M-S-C-H-F. Um, 
in a Mashable story about this, quoted Mischief saying that these boots are, quote, a critique of capitalist mass consumption and the impermanence of trends. Sure, Jan. Ironic. They just want attention. Well, That's they what it just is. want attention. And they got it. Look at us talking about these <laughs> damn shoes. <laughs> I think about those boots every day. So they got what they wanted. Neither of us like those big red boots. Let's move on. Question number two. Do you watch the Netflix show You? I do. I haven't watched a new season, but I have. So you I know do. Pin Badgley and his character on that show. Yes. Are you into or not into Pin Badgley, the actor, saying that he does not want to do sex scenes anymore? Oh my goodness, I'm so into that. And okay. the fact that he said, he said, I, I, the first time I saw it, I was quite disappointed because I think he's hot. I mean, who doesn't? And he, I was like, this is so disappointing. Then he said to stay loyal. He was like, I feel like infidelity for me with my wife, it's unacceptable. And I feel like it's unfair. And I was like, oh my goodness, that is a black king. Oh, black king. Goodness. She said a black oh. king. <laughs> Let's uh, unpack I that. I give him a pass. He, wow. That, I was just, I'm so into it. I, I don't know, somehow him saying that and just made him like hotter. <laughs> so on his podcast, he has a podcast. He recently said that he wants to do fewer sex scenes or none at all. And he's doing fewer in season four of You to, quote, respect the fidelity of his marriage and on the one hand i'm like good for you but on the other hand you choose which roles you take <gasps> you you picked to be you chose to be this sexy killer my bro he did though he did he did but he, he was did. the sexy killer for three seasons character development character development now <laughs> <laughs> that's what we'll call it uh for your acting career what kind of scenes would you swear off? I think anything, you know, oh my goodness, you know those movies where it's like they're trying to do like education on black people, but it's like it comes off very naive. What do you mean? No, naive, um, very ignorant. Like, the, give me an example. Oh my goodness. Like you people, no offense. It wasn't my favorite. Like, you. no offense, offense, <laughs> trash film. Like you people. Trash film. Jonah Hill, I was like, because they were trying to pass him off as an ally. And I was like, damn, he's, I feel like he's low-key racist. Was- Listen, if he was an ally, he'd be practicing better skincare. He looked rough in that movie. <laughs> and the movie was rough. That movie was Didn't like rough. It. So we are into Pin Badgley doing whatever he needs to do to feel free. We're not into Kenya Barris and whatever the hell he's doing right now. I'll tell you that. Kenya, work out your scripts with your therapist before you make us watch them. <laughs> Last question. We are taping this uh, segment on Valentine's Day. So in the spirit of love or the lack thereof, are you into or not into Giselle Bunchen sharing a Valentine's Day post on Instagram? Not to Tom Brady, but to her dogs. I am into it. I am into it. And I didn't even know she had done that. After this, I'm actually going to go purposely find it, take time out of my day and like that post. Because that girl, at everything, she set her standards and said, either you meet them or yeah, bye. And that's exactly what she did. Yes. 
So she posted some photos of her dogs. Uh, she called them pure love. Ugh. And she said in the post, I am convinced they are little angels on earth. Happy Valentine's Day to all. And this is a continuation of a trend I've seen with Giselle since her and Tom Brady broke up. She's doing things and writing things and saying things that on their face could be seen as nice or innocuous. But when you look a little closer, it's a little shady. It's shady. And it's a little throwing shade Ooh. at Tom. And I'm like, you know what? I'm living yes, for ma'am. it. I'm <laughs> yes, living ma'am. for it. She said, oh, yeah. you're Tom Brady, so? And? Yeah. And? Yeah. I'm Giselle. I feel like at one point after the divorce, she said something that is like, only a thing people say when they really want to say F you. She, something like, all the best to you. And you're like, oh, she hates him. She hates him. Or like, wishing you the best. No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> Elsa, we're going to tally up the score right now uh, and see mm-hmm. if you won. I got to say, we're on the same page with the big red boots. Boom. We are slightly misaligned on Pin Badgley's wearing off sex scenes, but we both love yeah. Pin Badgley and think that mm. the Kenya Barris film You People is trash. So okay. I'll give you that one too. Okay. And uh, we both love whatever it is Giselle is putting down. Oh, so by the power vested in me, I declare you the winner of Into It, Not Into It special Valentine's mm. Week edition. Three out of three, a winner. Uh, yes. As predicted. As predicted. <laughs> Do you have an acceptance speech? I always believed that my opinion was the only right opinion. And look, I was look, right again. You were, you were right again. You were right again. <laughs> Thanks again to Elsa Majimbo. Listeners, before we go to break, going to ask you a favor. If you like this show and want to support it, we could use your help. Subscribe to Intuit on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And most importantly, share the show with your friends. Tell them you like this show and bug them to listen to it too. Every little bit helps. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L. V-A-N-29.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Last of Us is so far one of the biggest or at least zeitgeitiest shows of the year. For starters, it's a TV adaptation of a very, very popular video game. And it's got a prime Sunday night time slot on HBO. Also, it has one of Prestige TV's favorite good guys, Pedro Pascal, as the lead. Pedro is also apparently everyone's zaddy. Yep. I am your cool slutty daddy. But in spite of all of this, as I've been watching this show, I can't decide if it's actually any good. I mean, I feel weird even saying that out loud right now to you. So to deal with that angst, I'm going to pose that question to two of Vulture's finest, Roxana Haddadi and Jackson McHenry. They both write for Vulture, and they both have very different opinions on this show. For those of you who haven't watched yet, Here's a very loose synopsis. In 2023, America is 20 years into a global pandemic. The pandemic was caused by a mass fungal infection, which turns people into basically zombies, but not technically zombies. I mean, I didn't know it's not zombies, um, but like fungal infection that is very much zombie-like. In the midst of the societal collapse of it all, Pedro Pascal's character has to smuggle a teenage girl across the country. If I'm taking you with me, there's some rules you got to follow. Rule one, you don't bring up Tess, ever. Matter of fact, we can just keep our histories to ourselves. Rule two, you don't tell anyone about your condition. They see that bite mark, they won't think it through, they'll just shoot you. Rule three, you do what I say when I say it. We clear? Yes. Repeat it. What you say goes. All right. With that, Roxana and Jackson on The Last of Us. Have y'all ever done this kind of thing before? A debate over a TV show? Debate each other with like 30 seconds of notice? No. <laughs> have not done that. I'm very excited. I feel like I've debated people in group chats, but um, not, not face-to-face. I did have a tense Just, conversation and a date over The Last of Us, so I feel like that might count for something. Ooh, you know what's really funny? <laughs> the biggest in-person fight I've ever had is when I ruined my partner's friend's birthday dinner getting in a fight with a guy about The Walking Dead, and he thought Stop. it was the best show of all time. And I was like, why are we sitting across from each other? This is bait. So I like that <sighs> as a thematic connection mm-hmm. to what we're about to do now. Wow. Uh, also, Jackson, close the loop on the mention of a nasty debate over The Last of Us at a date. On a date? Was that what you were saying? Oh, yes. Well, I mean, it, that was, it was mainly over the third episode, which I did pan for Vulture, um, which is a This gay is the gay story. episode. Yeah. I'm sorry. What? Getting older faster than you. Oh, I like you older. Older means we're still here. Which is not maybe the best way to start a first date by saying that you hated a gay love story. It doesn't make it really sound open to experience. Um, But so it went. Jackson, did this person ask you or how did it come up? Uh, (laughs) 
it came up because he had access to social media and seen the story and then put mm. the name together. So, you know, so it yes. goes. Were you into him before the argument and then not into him after? Um, it, it, it didn't lead to a second date. I can say that. <laughs> a real sorry to this man moment. Who knows if he listens to this podcast. <laughs> he thought it was deeply romantic and I thought it was schmaltzy and, um, you know, it's tough. <laughs> I just want a gay plotline where they don't kill us. How about that? That would be that would be nice. That would be nice. Let us live and just like have fun. IDK. That's unfortunately no one on this show can live or have fun. That's the whole vibe. <laughs> it is equitable in that way. Which yeah, is nice. the vibe is everyone suffers. So you're saying the, the Last time. of Us is doing DEI work actually when you think yeah. about it. <laughs> it's taking a moral stand in the apocalypse. <laughs> I love it. All right, we got to start this debate. We got to start this debate. We got pro in one corner, con in the other corner. We're going to start with the good. Roxana, take three minutes and tell me why the show is good. Go. Oh, man. Three minutes. You got this. Okay. Also, okay. we're not going to time. It's fine. Just, just, just go. Right. Let me see. Why is this show good? Uh, I will say that I personally am very susceptible to big what does humanity owe each other questions when filtered through TV. And I think that this show has sort of committed itself to distancing its video game origin and sort of honoring and probing the question of what kind of questions can we ask about humanity through genre. I think it is pretty well made, very well made, honestly. I mean, I think the production design is very strong. The fact that it's so clear how much work went into building how the infected look. Uh, and in this portrait of America as like a failed individualist state. I think the show is sort of unintentionally making a point about how the myths that we've told ourselves about America will be very easily unraveled when shit hits the fan. I don't really know if the Oof. show is intended to do that, Oof. but I think that Damn. it has in a okay. way that I like, I like watching. That. Yeah, but uh, I like that. But yeah, Jackson, please. I'm so. Can you just tear apart what I just said? I really. <laughs> no, that's no, no, what no, I no. Want. Stop, 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 stop. This is not how we're going to debate. We got to fight. Oh. You can't no. beg him to tear you apart. I you're want gonna him to stand strong in your assertions. You're no. gonna own your stance, and y'all are gonna fight. Jackson, you go fight. Go. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I do. I also. I mean, I, I agree. It's it's sort of well made, and it, it's gotten great actors, and you know, love Catherine Colberti with Bella Ramsey. So um, happy for for that. But I, I, to me, what's frustrating about it is. There is an aspect of the game that and Andrea wrote about this for Vulture, the sort of sense of like the um, because the player is in the storyline. If you're playing through this as a game, there is a little bit more of the implication that you are going along with Joel's decisions and you can't really change his decisions even as you're playing through a level. And so there's an interesting tension between the moral complexity of the character and you being brought through that that I think what frustrates me about the show is you lose that because you're just watching it as a viewer. You have a little bit more distance. Yes, you are getting closer to Joel and Ellie and, and seeing their relationship develop. But when you pull that away from that, a lot of the things that The Last of Us is setting up, to me, feel fairly rote for the genre. There's a lot of children of men in it. 
there's a lot of The Road. Station Eleven, recently on HBO Max, is another sort of pandemic storyline about humans connect with each other. There's almost a conservatism in it of, like, you're off, the world is against you, there's this giant horde of other, um, and you have to protect yourselves. Um, that feels almost unexamined in the show. I, I feel like... There, there is some unintentional commentary there, but it like it feels like it should be more thoughtful about exactly mm. what it's going into yeah. here. I mean, I think that for someone who is a fan of this genre, yes, there is a predictability to how this series goes and to how this storyline goes. And I just think that's the nature of this kind of storyline. <laughs> which might be a very, you know, maybe that's just like shrugging at the question, but people who are casual TV viewers, like my partner's parents, love this show. They're like huh. blown away by huh. it because like they're not jaded and cynical like the rest of us who watch too much television. <laughs> <laughs> I keep thinking about what dramas have spoken to me the most in the last few years. Um, and I'm going to give White Lotus a pass on this because it just feels like it exists in a separate category. It's drama, but it's also just like a water cooler show, which we need more of these days. But besides that, I think of the dramas Pin 15 and I May Destroy You. And the, the things that like made me love those shows was that like at every turn, I had I felt like I hadn't seen it before. And everything about it felt new. And I think it's impossible to do that with a show based on one of the most popular video games of all time and existing right next to the category of zombie stuff, right? Which is popular and we all know it. And so it's almost as if this show is restrained in how weird it can be, restrained in how out there it can be, because it's like living up to, honestly, two genres at the same time, the video game genre and the zombie-adjacent genre, you know? And so, like, if that is the consideration of what the show is up against or dealing with, does it even matter if it's good? Or does it just matter if it executes both of those expectations well? I mean, I think the question here is what is good? <laughs> How much time do we have left on this call? <laughs> which, is, which is subjective for all of us, right? I mean, okay. Subjective for all of us. So I think the way that I try to judge good is I completely agree with Jackson that I want something that feels, and with you, Sam, that feels like inventive and fresh and new and taking an idea and pushing it into an unexpected place. But I also think that there is value in taking things that are somewhat familiar to us and putting different characters within them and seeing what happens. And like, let me let me like give an example for this. As an example, one of my favorite recent television shows was called We Are Lady Parts. It is about a group of Muslim young women in the UK who form a punk band. Okay, so uh, maybe instead of Voldemort under my hat scarf, you could do I love to wear my hat scarf, you know, uh, less, uh, more, yay, I don't know. Yeah, maybe? You can probably tell what's going to happen there, right? Like, they're going to have some pushback yeah, from their yeah. conservative family members and their community, but they're going to transcend and their band is going to be amazing and they're going to become best friends. Right? Like, none of us are surprised to hear that that's what happened in the story. 
But that doesn't necessarily diminish for me, like, the emotions that I felt at seeing these characters getting center stage and getting to explore what were the forces that led them to this place and to punk rock and to being friends. So I think that's why Last of Us works for me, is that I, mm. I enjoy seeing characters different from the ones that were in the video game, mm. having different ethnicities and different backgrounds, yeah. and still shouldering these questions that are like very big and sometimes impossible to answer. I think one of the things that is fascinating about this show is the fact that it's on HBO and was made for HBO, that I can imagine a version of The Last of Us that was made for a network that isn't as innately sort of prestigious and mainline conversation um, defining as yeah. a Sunday night HBO show really? could be. Yeah. Really? might be much more fun and much more sort of adventurous and interesting and, and yeah. it wouldn't I mean, it probably wouldn't have the same budget. It wouldn't look as nice. It wouldn't have the same stars. Um, huh. But I imagine something like, for instance, like Yellow Jackets on Showtime is, is a genre show that has a sort of wit to it, has a lot of ability to kind of break free from, you know, f hitting every beat that you expect because it's not, you know, it, it's an, an underdog. Hi, Misty. It's so great to see you after all this time. Thanks for swinging by and helping us cover up a murder. Putting it on HBO immediately gives this a wider platform, but I think also in the minds of the people who are making it puts this extra layer of we have to be this golden, perfect yeah. video game adaptation that is quote-unquote serious art, and we have to we have to take ourselves seriously. And that drains well, a lot of, to, to me, a lot of the vitality out of it. So I think what we're advocating for here is a return of the 22-episode sci-fi adaptation on the network sci-fi. <laughs> sci-fi network? Oh, all day, every day. Made in Vancouver. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Made in Vancouver with a limited budget like Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> that's really what we're looking for. I mean, the answer here, they filmed The Last of Us in Alberta, and that's apparently the prestigious Canadian province, so we're learning. We this. really do. We want the, like, stoned cousin of The Last of Us. That's what I want. That's what I want. But that does get me to like a serious question for both of you to direct our listeners to. What are the better versions of this story or this kind of story in your mind that people should watch either instead of The Last of Us or in conjunction with? I mean, Jackson is 100 percent correct. It's Children of Men. Like that to me is the end all be all of this genre that again is like an older man helping to transport a younger woman who... Mm -hmm has the future of humanity within her body. She's pregnant. Now you know what's at stake. Like, that's it. And Julianne Moore, totally unhinged, love. Yeah. She's unhinged in that movie. I don't, I'm not a big Julianne Moore fan, <laughs> and so that's, that's actually sort wrong? of like a low point of the movie for <laughs> What? <me. gasps> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, Jackson, I stole your answer. What was it's yours? It's fine. Jackson, what did you say? Yeah. Um, I mean, also, um, and many of people have already pointed this out, but but on made for HBO Max um, was Station Eleven, um, which is sort of in the wake of a pandemic. Characters kind of finding themselves in connections, and what I think what Station Eleven does that's interesting is it's also about like a Shakespeare troupe of people performing, and there's a sort of question in it of like the the world is, has ended for these characters and they're trying to hold together, but there's also the question of like, well, how do you like do you maintain art? How do you maintain sort of civilization and culture in a sense of like, there are these things besides mere survival. We're the traveling symphony. We travel for a reason. You burn the house down, then you go. 
is try to make the world make sense for a minute. And the Last of Us is so pushed to the brink of just like people have to constantly fight and kill and, and that kind of thing that there's no one being like, well, in our, you know, commune in Wyoming, we have put on plays or something. But I do feel like, you know, with enough downtime, people would be doing that. Um, well, in the commune in Wyoming, they are watching movies. They do have movie night. That's good. It's a start. Right? So <laughs> that happens in the fifth episode. Um, and then also if you're someone who like wants sort of standalone episodes, I encourage people to check out like The Leftovers, um, that kind of thing. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I think now I have to declare a winner of the debate. This is why I don't play competitive anything because (laughs) (laughs) this is why my sport is rock climbing because that's just something you do by yourself and no one judges you. (laughs) Um, The winner, as always, is the listeners, but I'm going to give a special prize today to the pro argument just for the line. Well, what is good? I love how you elevated this debate to the fifth dimension with that question. We're um, ascending to like relativism. When, yeah. It's like when you're playing rock, paper, scissors, and the opponent's like, actually, I chose water. That beats yeah. everything. Like, that's yeah. what you did with this. And so for yes. that, you win. Congratulations. Make a speech. Go ahead. Go, thank go, go. You. Speech. Uh, thank you to everyone. Uh, thank you to all. And uh, if you would like, you can read my process piece on episode five. And once again, read Jackson's piece. Don't be jerks. Be nice. <laughs> Jackson, any final comments as you don't take the crown? I mean, I'm just going to have to go go sulk for a while and go live out in a cabin and hopefully run into Murray Bartlett and then we'll have enough lovely romance and then I will die. <laughs> Listen, Jackson, so far, watching The Last of Us has had you lose a debate and lose a man with that first date story. Stay I'm away from the really, show. It's a real, real season of L's for Jackson. Hopefully, it when like, it sounded like losing the man was Jackson's choice. I think, <laughs> you know, it really was. Yeah. <laughs> Our debate winner, Roxana Haddadi, and runner-up, Jackson McHenry, both write for Vulture. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Culture Geist. Culture Geist. You're listening to Culture Geist. Culture Geist. I don't know, y'all. And now for a segment we're calling Culture Geist. About all the things we can't stop thinking about. The culture that's haunting you, haunting me, haunting all of us, for better or worse. It's a new show again. 
my culture guys this week has to do with a new dating show I can't stop watching called Perfect Match. There's 10 of us and we all couple up. Which brings in alumni from all over the Netflix reality universe. Don't watch me, watch your girl. Uh, it's juicy, it's dramatic, it's highly produced, and it takes place in a gorgeous villa in the Panama with multiple pools and private suites, which brings me to the question, why does Netflix not have a budget for decent stemware on their reality programming? Just for us. My head is spinning. You're not sure if it's from the Chardonnay or the Nick Lachey. Yeah, just for that. On show after show, the contestants are sipping their bevs out of these horrible, ugly, opaque plastic or metallic cups that are giving more eighth-grade pool party than luxurious international getaway. It makes no sense. It takes me out of the illusion every single time to the point where I'd rather just see red solo cups because if the stemware can't match the environment— at least let it match the level of debauchery that's consistently delivered on these shows. Tell me looking at you. I wish that didn't turn me on, but it does. So if anyone from Netflix is listening to this, don't be afraid to lean into the lowbrow. Hey, Sam. My culture geist in honor of the Super Bowl halftime episode uh, was a moment in 2009. The National Football League presents the Bridgestone Super Bowl 43 halftime show. Uh, that I couldn't believe when I witnessed in real time on TV, and that was the moment when the boss... Uh, exuberantly slid across the stage and slammed his crotch directly into the lens of the camera. (laughs) Maybe nearly a decade later, in a conversation with a family member, I brought this moment up and they told me that it didn't happen and I felt like perhaps in some fever dream I had invented this moment. But sure enough, if you type in Bruce Springsteen crotch in YouTube, your first video hit will be an exuberant Bruce Springsteen sliding directly into camera lens with his junk. And uh, to this day, it makes me laugh, especially when you look at his face afterwards, which is equally surprised and delighted uh, as he gets back to his feet. Uh, But anyway, that's my culture, guys. I think of it often. Hi, Sam. This is Chloe from Austin, Texas. And my culture, guys, is from New Girl, specifically uh, one of the Megan Fox seasons. I think there are multiple. Anyways, Winston is trying to help Megan Fox figure out how to break up with her girlfriend. And so they do a role play. Okay. So, uh, I'm Camilla. Break up with me. <clears throat> and Winston's response is something along the lines of, Oh my god! Oh my goodness! Oh my god! We had a lot of really good times together. And oh I just my really god! Doing- oh my god! Oh my goodness! Oh my god! I knew this was coming! Oh my god! Oh my goodness! And I can't stop saying that exactly verbatim anytime something happens. Um... <laughs> And the worst part is I don't think anybody gets the reference. And so I'm just slowly but surely annoying all of the people in my life. (laughs) 
bless them. Thanks again to Chloe, Anusha, and Jesse. Listeners, do you have a culture geist? A thing in the culture that's been haunting you for days or weeks or even years? Share it with us. The more specific you are, the better. Just send us a short voice memo via email to intuit at vulture.com. Intuit at vulture.com. All right, Intuit is hosted by me, Sam Sanders. The show is produced by Janae West, Travis Larchuk, Gabby Grossman, and Jelani Carter. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. Our engineer is Daniel Turek. Our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder, who I'm sure could fully orchestrate a Super Bowl halftime show. And Hannah Rosen is the head of audio at New York Magazine. All right, listeners, we are back next Thursday with a new episode. Till next time. Go play all of Rihanna's hits as loudly as you possibly can. It's good for the soul. Okay, bye.